What's up? Welcome to a new episode of Movie Schmovie. This is episode number 278. Uh, my name is Steve, and I'm here with my co-hosts. Ron. Hello, my name is Ron. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> and John. What happened, uh, friend? Uh, the NBA draft is on, and my brain is going oh, okay. absolutely apeshit crazy. I, I apologize. Uh, but hashtag yes, priorities. Yeah. Hashtag. This is nuts. Uh, yes, but this is an exciting day. Who else am I? By with? the way, I'm leaving this when, when I when I when I edit this episode, I'm going to leave that uh, that gap in. Uh, have to, <laughs> you so have to please, understand what just happened. You have. To. Please do. Please do. You were saying, Ronald, this is an exciting day. Oh man, it's it. Oh, I, did John say John? <laughs> Yeah, John say John. John said John because John I threw is it John. in there in the middle of. Yeah, I, I slipped it in while I was admonishing. Oh, you. man. Uh, yeah, it's an exciting day full of surprises and all sorts of things because we had the pleasure of seeing an incredible movie. Correct? Yes. And talking to the director. Am I correct? And the producer. And the producer. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which feels like a gift. It feels like during this quarantine, we've we've kind of come into this cool rhythm where we're like the you know we're like yeah, the yeah. this amazing yeah. team. We have this dynamic where I, I, I don't know, man. I think all of the interviews that we've had with guests have been really really good, and I think we found this cool stride that has kind of come out of a what what many could view as a sad place, but we've turned it into a really cool place this this COVID quarantine situation yeah it's been a great opportunity it's been a great opportunity for us to like kind of sit back and say what more can we do in the podcast Mm -hmm. and you know it's it's been you know we've been very uh lucky and happy to have the response that we've had where we've gotten access to you know see movies before they come out in this new world that we're in tv shows before they come out and you know over the past couple weeks and you know last week's episode and um today's episode just being able to talk to filmmakers which is something that we've always wanted to do more of and you know hopefully be talking more to you know filmmakers writers producers actors actresses whoever we can that are involved you know with making the things that we talk about on this podcast and you know that that's a next level type thing for us so yeah um we're very we're very lucky to be able to do it but i do feel like there is a sense of like like this was a this was the time to try to make it happen and we've been successful and it, yeah the, the one that we have today is a really exciting uh interview uh we did get to see the new film is called run it comes out on hulu uh today when this podcast drops so if you're you're listening to it the um the interview is pretty spoiler free there may be one i think depending how john cuts it up but um we got to speak with the uh, co-writer director of the film anish chaganti and uh, one of the producers, what's Natalie's last name? Um, Natalie Kasabian? Kasabian? Yeah, Kasabian. Yeah. I'm sorry. But it was cool. I mean, like, we, we, we've we all watched this movie. We'll talk about the movie a little more after the interview. But, um, you know, Searching is a film that came out a couple of years ago. I believe we talked about it on this podcast. I really personally thought it was a great, you know, movie. Same. I uh, just, just missed my top 10 that year, ma- mainly because I was so not aware of it. It just kind of came out of nowhere. A movie that was made for, I think, under a million dollars and, you know, was a pretty big hit uh, for the studio and for the filmmaking team. Yeah. And a movie that used technology uh, as a visual device. Oh, yeah. uh, In a smart way and a way that um, I believe uh, 
an issue even mentions in the interview that it, he even viewed it as kind of a gimmick that he wanted to go, move beyond the gimmick. But um, he, he referred to it, uh, the new movie Run as his first live action movie. And I wanted to come back around to it. We didn't have much time in our conversation to come back around. But if we'd had a chance, I would have asked him, does he consider Searching almost to be an animated film because of how much it is? screens and type and text and moving around and and it's it's graphics and yeah so yeah i would i would uh recommend people check it out especially if they're intrigued by that notion of you know certain movies like host or even unfriended uh where using the technology the way people really use it um is is a cornerstone of the suspense and uh natalie and anish are a great producer director team that did searching as well as run and i, I think that we caught them at a pretty amazing time, to be honest with you. Um, I don't think they, they're stopping anytime soon. And, I, and I'm looking very forward to see what they're going to do together. Because um, this is a this is a very good movie that uses some cool devices that I've, I have never really seen in uh, a movie quite, quite this intense. So, yeah, and like Ronald's saying, like, Anish, uh, Natalie, and the, the third person that we were supposed to interview, uh, Sev Ohanian is the other co-writer for the film. He's also a producer on the movie, I think. But they're all involved in Run The same and team were, from Searching, yeah. Right, the <clears throat> same team from Searching. And it seems like they kind of have this collective that they're that they're going to continue to be working together, and and to pop, you know do other things. There's some there's some things on IMDb that the the three of them have going on. I know Sev is involved in the Space Jam sequel that's coming up um, as one of the co-writers, but it's just you can tell that there's a gel here. There's something that works here, and even speaking to Natalie and Anish, like it's something that you want to see, or I, we, the podcast, hopefully the viewers want to see more of. Um, and, you know, it's exciting for them, I'm sure, in this crazy world that we're in, that their movie's coming out now. Um, you know, this is a movie that was supposed to come back uh, out back around Mother's Day. It got pulled. It got delayed. Eventually, Hulu picked it up, and that's where it comes out this week. Everybody that has a Hulu account can check it out. And, and you know, we'll, again, we'll talk more about the, po the, the film after the interview. But uh, in general, um, we, we do hope you do check the, the new film out called Run, um, which will be on Hulu before you're even listening to this probably and after um did you guys have anything else you wanted to throw in before we uh we cut to the interview no yeah i think that's it all right cool so this is our interview with anisha ganti and natalie kasabian um writer co-writer director and producer of the new hulu film run out today uh on the hulu streaming platform hello how you doing Thanks for joining us. So good to see you guys. Yeah. Thanks for having us. We are Movie Movie. We're really happy to have you on the show. Um, we're, we're big fans of searching, and so we're excited to talk to you about Run, but we figured we'd start the conversation a little bit just because looking at this new film and, and seeing your you know relatively short feature careers, we wanted to talk to you guys at first about going from searching, searching coming out, being the success that it was. Um, can you talk a little bit about both of you, um, you know, the transition from that film coming out, you guys starting pre-production on Run, and, and what changed or the, the differences, the similarities between a film, you know, that, you know, comes out and finds a great audience and, and people were really talking about searching a lot a couple years ago and just kind of how that differed with Run? Huge question. Okay. So, <laughs> we start big. We start real big. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So, you know, 
searching was really unique in the sense that like I, you know, I was 23 when I was making it or 20, no, I was 25 when I was making it. And, you know, like I had just come from making a bunch of commercials at Google. Uh, and, you know, I, I had made a bunch of stuff that took place on screens or that used, used technology or, you know, apps to, to tell the story. And so jumping to searching felt like weirdly, like I was uniquely capable of, of doing this, even though it felt like everybody else had to relearn their jobs in a new way. Like I, I knew what we were doing kind of a deal. Mm-hmm. And then, then jumping to this, it was the opposite. Suddenly I was making a feature film, a normal live action movie for the first time. And everybody around me had done this many, many times before. And I had no idea what I was doing. Right. You know, and like uh, so much about the early process of this film of making run, especially on set, was like me just like tiptoeing around being like, okay, how does this, how does this work? What is, okay, what is rehearsal? What is pre lighting? Like, what, like all these, like all these terms that I was just learning for the first time and then like having to play cool on the the cover and be like, yeah, of course, you know, like I know what that is. And like, you know, it's sort of like that learning curve. It was very similar to actually, I think Kira, who was the first time actor, sort of starting yeah. off like never having acted, and then by day thirty, was like on it, you know. And I think like it was a very similar arc coming out of this, where it's like I, this was in a lot of ways my first. This is my first live action movie, you know, and and I, I learned how to make a movie in this process, which was practically the objective of why this was the movie we went tried to make in the first place, so that I could do this. <laughs> so wow. that was the experience for me, but I'm sure That's Nat incredible. has a. a has a different take. Yeah, I mean, for for us, I think as a, specifically like with this team too, like going from searching, which we made, it, it felt like it was just us and our and our buddies from USC, like making this thing that like no one really understood what we were making, but we kind of did, and then it turned out okay. So it was like okay, cool. Um, th- this felt like a lot more pressure from the onset because we we went out with the project and we were lucky enough to have a lot of people interested, and you know we ended up going with Lionsgate and you know, they're a studio and like, there's a lot of pressure. I think that comes with that. And in addition to the pressure, it was also like the first time outside of me, seven and niche that like, we had to deal with this other entity that also has like creative thoughts and input and, and power and, and, and all those things. So it was us kind of like re re finding our groove in this like new dynamic. And then on top of all that, we, we shot the movie in Winnipeg um, and we're all from California and it was great. It was like very cold. Yeah. Um, right, right. We, we didn't have like all the crew that we usually use in LA. So it was like meeting a lot of new people. And yeah, it, it was it was a challenge for sure. And, and that shift was there was a big learning curve for sure for all of us. I had a, a question, Anish. So um I had the pleasure of watching your uh short microeconomics, which had Thomas Barbusco. Oh my gosh, you watch microeconomics, you yes. like so <laughs> seeing some connective tissue, right? So this, this so hit, hit me out, hit me out. Thomas Babushka, Sarah Song in Searching, and Kira Allen. And these are all newcomers. And you you bring these amazing performances out of these newcoming actors. How do you how do you channel the energy? How does it work? You know, let, let me know your process. Uh man, it's I wish there was this grand vision of like, you know, like this like plucking people out of nowhere and doing this. So to give you some context, the answer to all of them is just pure like necessity, but like the, the, you know, for, for microeconomics, which is the most insane deep cut (laughs) I've ever been thrown. Um, So the, in microeconomics, you know, like I was a 
I was a senior in college and that was like the film that I made freshman year or the mm-hmm. first semester. And like we had eight grand to make that whole movie. So right. for sure, the person we're casting is an unknown, you right. know, like <laughs> for sure. Like the Thomas just happened, we just happened to pick someone really well and really talented enough that like right. eventually he had a career of his own and then had to bring him back into searching as like a brief little cameo. Right, right. Um, Sarah Sohn uh, was you know, a person who walked into the room uh, during searching and uh, searching uh, uh, auditions and basically like blew us away just by like her presence. And, and oh, we were wow. just like, okay, we'll put you in the movie. No big deal. And we'll put you back in search or in run, <laughs> you know? And then Kira Allen is, a, yeah, Kira Allen. Yeah. Now it's a trend. I got, we got to Kira in something else, but like Kira <laughs> was somebody who like, we knew that we wanted to cast somebody who was disabled in real life, you know, like when we wrote the, when we wrote the role, it just looked sort of like a no brainer to us, you know, even despite the fact that we had like Disney stars and, you know, famous people who've been in like big movies, you know, like right, who right. could have worked with pretty easily. It was just like, had to be someone who had a disability in real life. And like that person is an unknown, you know, like she doesn't exist in our current Hollywood structure. And so like we had to go find her and that was an extensive hunt. So like in a way, like, and necessity has been like the answer to all of these things um you know i like it but at the same at the same time like i don't know like one day do i want to make a movie with leo and brad sure you know but uh (laughs) so far it's been it's worked out Uh, one of the things that stood out to me about um run was the fact that you take the sort of genre references that we might be thinking of and and you head them off at the pass like when she calls uh, directory assistance. There's actually a voice that mentions Derry, Maine, as an example of a, of a of a city and a state. I actually thought that kind of sounds like it might be the director's voice, but it made me realize that you knew what I was beginning to think, which was, "Hey, this is kind of like Misery," or you yeah. know, at other moments, "Hey, this is kind of like Rear Window." And I thought it was really, I don't know, a very cleverly constructed movie that it starts off. You know, there's not much mystery from the beginning of the movie the, of the sort of trouble that Chloe, the the lead character played by Kara Allen, is in. But the, the suspense and the tension, the kind of gamesmanship between the two of them, um, yeah, it did seem to me like you were doing something kind of new in terms of examining a mother-daughter relationship or quote-unquote mother-daughter relationship. But also you were, you were making us think of these genre films that we, that we know and love. So I guess I'm, I'm just wondering how much are those genre influences and influences that, that you know, affect your filmmaking altogether? Or was it just for this project? And what was it like kind of, kind of juggling that, trying to make your own new thing, but also, you know, paying a bit of homage yeah i mean m night Shyamalan, his movie like i don't like to see when i was a kid to see another indian filmmaker making movies like he could have been making comedies i feel like i would have been making comedies today mm. you know like I, I i think like so a lot of his films like seriously inspired me to make films and i think like he was inspired by alfred hitchcock a lot so i naturally moved to hitchcock and sort of started watching sure. all these movies and I, the objective for for run was always to do the opposite of searching. You know, I needed to prove to myself that I could make a movie like that it, because searching was such a, it was, it was a gimmick that worked, but it was a gimmick and it was complex and all these things. And I wanted to do the opposite. And so I wanted to make something that was opposite to searching. And that was very kind of old school, classic Hitchcockian movie that doesn't rely on a lot. It's just two characters and one house. And like the thrills are not coming from whose knife is going to, whose throat is going to get cut, but rather like, is a character going to find out they'd been using four on one, you know, and, and the other person to keep it a secret from them. So those references, we put it out throughout the film and you're citing the exact references. It's basically, this movie is misery. This movie is rear window. This movie is psycho. This movie is misery. I mean, sorry, this movie is rear window. This movie is psycho. 
This movie is misery, and this movie is basically what happened to Baby Jane, and a little of uh, Shadow of the Doubt. Um, and I think, like, those references are throughout the movie, you know? Like, character names are, are named after, like, characters from Misery or oh, actors wow. from, uh, yeah, like the, like, I mean, for example, like the pharmacist, you know, on the phone, she's Mrs. Bates, and then yeah. you know, on her tagline is Kathy, you know? Like, I think yeah. there's just so many obvious things like that. It's, the movie was always supposed to be an emulation and, like, an homage to those movies that got me into filmmaking and just doing it on a very bare bones level. And it really was like the, the the language that like when you spoke with like all the department heads. Like I remember when we first got to Winnipeg, um, he was referencing these movies constantly, and and someone came up with the idea of like let's just have like a library in the production office, and like people could check out DVDs, and then on Fridays, like whoever wanted to hang back in the production office, you know, we put a movie on all together and watch it, and like very quickly, like I remember a production designer would be like. They'd be talking in a corner and he him and he'd be like, I get it now. It's Hitchcock. It's Shyamalan. I get it. I get it. And like, <laughs> very much throughout the whole shoot, like we were we were all referencing that and, and watching and it was very much in everyone's like minds the whole the whole time throughout the process. That's that's pretty incredible. Um, so well, something I noticed about just the the relationship between, I guess, run and searching and and the suspense that you create. Uh, you know, suspense is done pretty often in movies. Uh, there's something very intentional about time, time and space that you do a lot in this movie. Um, when did you develop that skill set to kind of, you know, there's there's a there's a tight relationship between suspense and space and time that you really get right in the in these films. What what is it about that that you kind of realized was key to making the suspense movie suspenseful <laughs> um i the edit you know i don't know it's like it's the um i i don't know like to me i i grew up on like if if things were too violent my parents would make us close our eyes if like things were too if characters were kissing we'd have to close our eyes when we were young you know like so like i I always throw, I love the movies that I was able to watch, you know, like fully without having to do this. <laughs> um, so I think like to those movies have such a, those movies like left it, it, or past that, like eye closing test were those Hitchcock movies. And those movies taught me how to play with time, you know, where it's just like that you show like the obvious answer is that you show the bomb under the table and then the whole, then you have a conversation and the whole time you're wondering when the bomb's going off, you know? And I think like that level of like, just quiet like this is so much fun and like I, I don't know and that's one of my favorite scenes in the in in the in the current cut of, of, of in the final cut of run is that like um is that is that uh that the phone call scene like the tension is just like character wheels over to the window to look yes. at her mom while she's gardening goes back to the back to the phone back to the window back to the phone back to the window character's gone now we get yeah. to a wide where like you see her door shot like and she's looking yeah. back there that's that's a fucking classic dude like mm -hmm. i love that yeah. stuff you know it's like so good, uh that like yeah. and and that's what we wanted to build a movie off of we wanted to make a movie that was like first half a movie that i would be allowed to keep my eyes open and then second <laughs> half a movie that i would love to be told you're like oh i can watch this now <laughs> yeah.
That's incredible. Well, we're kind of tiptoeing up to one of the things that's really, really uh, noteworthy about this movie, which is the sense of menace that Sarah Paulson brings to to her role. Um, I mean, she's so great, and she she just so perfectly modulates that level of like in the beginning, their relationship is a little bit more easy, and it, she becomes more more villainous as the movie goes along. Um, well, what was it like crafting a performance with someone like that, especially with you know on one end of the cast you have a veteran like Sarah Paulson, and even in smaller roles, someone like Pat Healy showing up and he always brings uh, who knows what's going to happen quality to any movie that he's in. And I love when, I love it when, when he goes, when he swerves and plays a, a nice guy, uh, like in this movie. But um, you know, what was it like kind of juggling that, uh, you know, just the, between someone like Sarah Paulson and someone like uh, Kara Allen, who acquits herself incredibly in this movie, but you know, she's, she's no veteran. Um, and they're both kind of asked to, to face off in a convincing way. Um, yeah. Working with the actors, talk, talk a little bit about that. Yeah, sure. You know, it's, very different it almost felt schizophrenic to me you know like we're like in the same scene where these two people are having dialogue like the the content and the quantity and the type of 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 words that i'm telling each between each of them between takes are like black and white it is so opposite from each other like how i would talk to each one of them you know like sarah like you said is a veteran you know like she's made she's we know that she's an excellent actor. We know that she plays incredible roles with so much nuance. So in the beginning, I thought like, I was like, okay, I'm just going to give her all the backstory, all the material that she knows needs. And then I'm going to watch her basically, this is my bet, that I'm going to watch her soak it in and spit out fire. And like, I wrote this like 15 page booklet, 10 point font with her entire backstory, her entire life, all her like care, like just everything in her life up until the moment the story starts every story about these like books in our house, this and that, blah, blah, blah. And like wow. I, our rehearsals would be spent going over that, you know? And by the time that she got into set, it was right. The bet paid off. She soaked it all in and she was spitting fire take after take. Kira, on the other hand, was different. As a total novice, I thought to myself, like, I think like she, I can't tell her who this character is. She has to own it herself. So I made her write that booklet for herself. And like what came out was this like 15 page, 10 point font, like really well written, book of her own life and she owned it you know and i would basically wow. challenge her on what she wrote and be like that doesn't work with our story rewrite that or tell me how you got that object in the house or that object in the house and then before set each day we would go through the set and i would ask her to i would point out random objects in her room and be like why is that there and then and then you know she'd be like well because the pd people place it there or like whatever but like the you know be like okay why is why is that there there and then she'd say this is why it's there this is when i built it whatever so to give herself that sense of ownership over everything, I feel like was the bet that we were placing in her. And and because of that, I think, which paid off clearly in her performance, like a lot of the comments and the questions and the things that she said on set were so astute and so much like past chapter one, past chapter two of, of getting into this character were like deep questions. I would mm -hmm. often just be like, that's damn, I don't even know the answer to that. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, she, she, she's amazing in this movie. I'm so, we're, we're both so lucky to be able to watch this star get risen you know out of well, absolutely like, nowhere she's so smart and she's a she's a writer as well and I, I remember when we read the the backstory that she wrote i remember like one key thing we were all like wow like she mm. and you should remember the beat i, I don't know it's spoilery i don't know if you guys are doing spoilers yeah. it's super spoilery and like i remember we all got goosebumps and just like it was so well written and and the the beats she was coming up with in her own backstory were just just like insane. Yeah. It's like maybe we should make that movie. You're right, right. <laughs> I actually I wanted to ask you guys. Um, 
So talking about this mother-daughter relationship in Searching, I mean in Run, looking back at Searching, it's it's this, the, the, the arc of the story is really this father-daughter and a father who doesn't know his daughter and a daughter who doesn't know her mother, Disco Round. So I kind of wondering, like, what what's the approach to your this storytelling? Like, what like what attracts you to these familiar relationships? I mean, I know most. How messed up was your family? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell us more about your family life. They didn't let you watch movies. I understand, but what else? Um, but but <laughs> but like, you know, what is the attraction there? Because I mean, that is super relatable, and like, you always wonder, is there more to my relationship with person? X. But I mean, these fa- these family relationships are so anchored in trust and things like that. So, what what pulls you to that, and, and why do you think that works so well for these stories that you decide to tell? That's tough because it doesn't. It's never a conscious choice to be like, you okay. know what, we're going to make a story this time about about parents and kids. You know, it always just comes out like very naturally in the writing. And I think like I think Nat, Sev, myself, all kind of we come from very like sort of like tight knit families, you know, from a cultural standpoint. And so I think right. that naturally has fed into some sort of like authenticity that we feel yeah. like we're saying something like capital T true in the sense, in, in the sense of the word, in the spirit of making the opposite, the anti-searching, I think this was, this had to be the dark side of that relationship. You know, like nice. we've always made stuff about how positive the love is between a parent and a kid and, here we were asking the question of like, can you love a kid so much that you it's, you stop hugging them and start smothering them? And like that, that to us, it, in a lot of ways, like what I like about these films, even though they're, because they're so vastly different is they become these like parallel pieces in some weird little way um, that like are, are related to each other and talking to each other, just not at all yeah, similar in their executions. We have pretty, I mean, we have, functional families I mean, <laughs> everyone has a little bit of dysfunction but like that's kind of crazy too on this movie there was a little bit of like life imitating art because Anish got like super sick oh yeah before we started shooting we were doing he was doing press for searching so he was like going all around the world he got this like crazy stomach bug and like we had to be in Winnipeg like right after he like di- got diagnosed and figured out what was wrong and he had to be on this crazy diet but like when you're yeah. prepping and shooting you don't really have a choice in what you're eating for four months months. flew out and like came to winnipeg and stayed with him and like cooked every meal for him oh prep and production every single i didn't have to say i never had a single meal of crafty like every single thing my mom made um so that I, i i mean eventually got better but like the it was some weird bug that we had while traveling. We just, I, I was traveling so much that my stomach just kept messing it up again. So like she, we had to like reset this thing and it was all from this diet. I didn't have any time to make like Natalie was saying. And it was very, it just felt very ironic and fitting and sad and funny that we were making a movie about a mom taking care of her daughter. And during <laughs> it, the director literally had his mom fly over to help him get over a sickness. So it was wow. oddly, oddly fitting. I do feel like all the crew was like, what's going on here? Like, <laughs> so we have to just mom, like, is she chill? Is she like Diane? She's good. <laughs> wow. Well, Anish, uh, Natalie, thank you so much for your time. Uh, Run premieres on Hulu November 20th. Thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. We can't wait. Yes, congratulations on the film. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Yeah, really awesome question. <laughs> Thanks. Bye-bye.
that was our conversation with uh, with Anish and uh, and Natalie. And um, yeah, we the, their publicist was keeping things on time, or we would have we would have uh, held them a little bit longer. <laughs> yeah, I, I would have loved to talk to him for twenty more minutes. Honestly, we were getting the messages. Uh, you know, <laughs> end it now. Uh, wrap this up. Um, but yeah, they, they were very nice. And, um, I, I do like this idea of a team that's going to roll forward. I think that's, there's some right. security <laughs> right. in terms of a quality control, but also a, a, a collective idea of what things they might want to try. And if the same team that made searching and then made run is going to make something else, I'm, I'm extremely curious about what that team, even the, the person that wrote the score, I thought that, um, that was an, a, a crucial element of this. It gives this kind of grandeur, this kind of old Hollywood grandeur to run and really ties it in with that Hitchcockian um, uh, filmic quality that, that they were going for. So um, that's another member of the team we didn't really mention. But yeah, no, it, it, it's it's an interesting thing. And I, I, I thought it seemed like they were very, um, you know, willing to just be very open about their process so um, i was glad we got them for as long as we did it was a pleasure it was a pleasure it was nice to hear some of the answers it, it didn't feel like we were getting canned stuff like it, they were genuinely um you know uh, you know into it which is nice which is a nice yeah. thing and and i think they i think they did their part to help us go past our rap time so they, they were <laughs> more than willing to give us really you know direct and, and detailed and open answers so that was that was appreciated but um they were required to give us about 15 to 20 minutes they gave us much more like 22 and a half uh yeah they, on, they on the way to 23 way minutes in 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 a in a in a junket day timeline yeah. that extra yeah. two and a half that's like they really liked us i think <laughs> that's like a pee break you know yeah. or a call home or something well obviously we all liked the movie but let's talk a little bit about run what it is and and what it is we did like about it i mean yeah, well, I guess first of all, suspense is something that I'm, you know, I, I've been really into lately. Specifically because, I, I, you know, in the in the the times that we're in, it's it's nice to see something a little. It's a little elevated, like it, you know, it's 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 realistic, but still a little heightened, and this kind of captures it. I I think that run was such a experience that. I would suggest to anybody that's into Hitchcockian sort of film and anything that kind of makes you tremble or, you know, shiver with the idea that somebody's looking around the corner or something like that. I, I just think it, it was a very effective movie. It's a suspense genre. Yeah. 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 And I think like, you know, much like John was saying before, like kind of what they did with, um, like what, what they did with searching and kind of the innovation using the screens and telling a story a unique way there. This film, while it's like he said in the interview, a little more traditional storytelling in, in the terms of the framework of a, a narrative feature, it's it still kind of manages to kind of do a lot of new things, um, mainly because, you know, one of uh, one of the leads of the film. So it, it stars Sarah Paulson and um, is it Kira Allen. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, as the two leads. And, you know, it's most interesting because both performances are kind of lead performances, but, you know, the opposite ends of of a spectrum in terms of the menace and the discovery. And like, you know, basically it's a story about a mother daughter, you know, living together where the daughter kind of sorts sort of starts to suspect um, the mother in a lot of ways um, in terms of how she's being cared for if something else is going on 
Um, I don't want to give away too much of the movie um, since we uh, avoided some spoilers. We didn't have time to mention the documentary Mommy, Dead and Dearest to them or that whole true true yeah. crime sort of story. But that's what I was thinking of. And I was wondering if they got any inspiration from that. But again, that's another thing that if a longer conversation would have allowed for a little bit more talk about how they came up with the story. But if anyone's listening, it's in that neighborhood of like there's someone who's who's a parent that's that's getting some some mileage, something, some traction in life out of having a, a kid who is is who needs them and that whole relationship yeah. uh and, and how it develops and and the, you know the extent to which it's sick or, or or not i think is something you're wondering about from i thought this was something that was going to be a slow burn but you're kind of wondering it from the first minutes of this movie like how, how deep does this go you know the yeah. the menace we keep talking about of sarah paulson's performance like she really is playing like very expertly playing a, an off-putting person you know, yeah. you know, from the beginning that she's overbearing and it's not just like, oh, she really cares. There's something kind of tweaked. Um, but care, Alan, I mean, this is she's a discovery. And uh, yeah, you were talking a little bit about about that, Steve, just just what a difference that makes for this movie to have energy like hers in it. Yeah. And I mean, and even just her, you know, the the you know, one of the lead characters being, you know, a person with a disability using a wheelchair. It's like even that idea of where that character falls into the into the story itself and like the the not only the limitations that they face in a house you know with a person that they're starting to question but even ways in which their their limitations kind of like enable them to do more than the villain can you know which there are a couple scenes in the movie where you know th this character is able to um not only outsmart you know uh her counterpart in ways, but really like physically out perform them, which is like, I think a really interesting thing and a really empowering thing to see in a movie, um, you know, a major motion picture, you know, not just seeing, you know, a person in a wheelchair, uh, you know, and, and what they're limited by, but, but seeing someone who is a genius and, you know, is proactive and is, uh, and questions things. And like, you know, is very, um, sure of herself, you know what I mean? Like when she, le when she's led down a thought, pro you know, led down a path of thought, like she commits to it. And I, I found that really, just really impressive, you know, and not in just her performance, but it in a character piece, like, you know, to have that part of the story be so important to what happens to her in the story and kind of how it, how it's used to kind of uh, like flesh out um, what's really going on with, uh, with Sarah Paulson's character. Yeah, Chloe's a very empowered character from from the beginning of the movie as well, I should say. Like not just does Sarah Paulson have like an, an overbearing quality, but 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 her daughter has a very empowered quality. And and the fact that yes, that it is a a, a real life wheelchair user does does lend some 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 quality to the movie that it wouldn't have had otherwise. And it's again, it's just an argument for making sure that you're you're doing your best to hire the right person for the role. And, and in this case, I think they really found someone who I mean, I'd be very curious to see her what she would do in other other movies. But she was really good at playing this this kind of like I've been noticing recently. We've been watching movies as a family. Um, and I, I find my son who, you know, he, he really likes hard. He likes kind of intense movies. And I try to find the right ones that don't have too much upsetting or adult content or mixes of 
you know, drugs and violence or sex and violence, different things that I feel sure, like sure. Are, are different. But th one thing I've noticed is there's a thread of stories where of determination of someone beating their way through a yeah. bad situation, watching someone find some strength and, and fight their way through some kind of darkness. It almost doesn't matter how dark it gets if there's that determination coursing through a story. And I think that Run has that quality where, um, yeah, one of the references we made being misery is one of those stories. Yeah, you're watching someone find that what their limits are and what they can accomplish when when the odds are against them uh uh you know uh, escaping the situation that they're in um at all so i think that there is something like i can i'm very much looking forward to watching this movie with my with my family because it, it's just that level of intense that i think we can all be kind of jumping on the couch um but ultimately it's not it's not such a bleak view of humanity because you have this kind of character at the center of it yeah I, right I, right right i loved what anish said about kind of uh his the limitations of kind of movies when he was a kid he couldn't watch anything that was r-rated but he could watch things that were intense and, and this this was the, definitely toes that line of like oh man am i am i gonna faint before this is over but but at the end you realize <laughs> there's been no gore there's been no you know nudity there's been no you know extreme violence right. A, right. a hammer isn't going through someone's head or anything like that so that 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 is amazing it's a feat and i think that sometimes when people see that like say if you know when this um they look at the rating for this it, it you know it may be like mature audiences or or maybe just parental guidance you know it's just you know it's it's one of those movies that is intense enough but still i could show this to uh my fiance's niece and she'd be it'd be okay for her to watch which i think is really cool I think that uh, I mean this is definitely I think across the across the board like something that we would definitely recommend. Um, it's a good head I think from, from the podcast, but and it's, it's just definitely like on Hulu, right? People can just watch yeah, it if they have. Hulu. It's just a part. Yeah, it's it's if you have a subscription and a Hulu, highly recommended checking out. Run, um, and I would say like John mentioned a couple things like you know like the Hitchcock stuff, the misery stuff like there's if, if any of that sounds interesting or just the idea of the the mommy dead and dearest uh you know the 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 act series or the documentary about that whole uh story any of those fall in a line with your interest like this would definitely be something you'd be into it's, it's a lean film too it moves at a really quick pace yeah. it basically doesn't stop which is something i personally loved about it um, and is like a thing I, I look for in thrillers and suspense films like this, like the slow burn nature of it can still sort of play out in ways in this film. And I think it does in certain scenes, but in general, um, it, it really does just jump right into it. And it's a really fun, easy watch. And, um, yeah, I thought it was great. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's carefully paced, but you're right. About 45 minutes into it, you're at the part where you're like, oh shit, I would have thought this would have been the last act yeah. or I would have thought. Because there's a certain, again, it's all about when, when do the characters assess the situation that they're in and know what's going on. And so often in a thriller, you're ahead of the 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 character the whole time. But yet, I mean, yeah, we're, we keep talking about the strength of uh, of Chloe as a character, but that's one of the things. You're not ahead of her for very long. She's she's clued into things. Um, she's looking for evidence, um, you know, and that's a big piece of the story. But um, no. Yeah, I, I can't imagine this wouldn't be an enjoyable movie for people. It is a little bit low investment. It's not super long. It does keep it small. It keeps it simple. I, I don't know. It, this is something that I've come to really admire, um, is which is a genre movie that does just move like a like a shark or like an alligator yeah. uh, swimming through <laughs> a, a flooded basement in Florida. Um, 
I, I don't yeah, know. Man. I just, for some reason just thought of Crawl when I was saying Crawl. that. Like a suspense oh, so movie good. that keeps it simple and like doesn't ask too much of you. Um, you know, doesn't try to explain too much. It just kind of. Um, and, and he mentioned uh, Shyamalan as a as a reference point, too. And I also think that guy's expert use of pace and just what's revealed in a given shot um which can be likened to hitchcock which can be likened to spielberg at his best um you do feel that thread coming through uh in this film as well and i don't know if that was a stylistic thing he was paying homage to or if that's what we can expect from his more conventional movies but um yeah if this is his step towards a kind of more conventional structure from searching then uh then i think you know i think that he can it again he's showing that he can do either one he can do something really high concept or he can do something really um, you know, that feels grounded. I love that comment he made in the interview that you just mentioned about the whole Shyamalan, Me too. like his love yeah. for him and, and just the idea of, you know, the inheritance of influence from generation to generation from, you know, I, I, I the way he put that in the interview was, was really, uh, was really great. Well, that's Ron. It's on Hulu now. If you want to check it out, man, we definitely hope you do. Um, it's a go see it. You should. Or you should. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. It's a go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> so what else? What um, else? What's what's uh, what's some news? We got some. We got some. Well, hot, I feel like hot, there's hot one news. big one big ne bit of news that has to do with: Are you gonna go ahead? Or are you gonna go see it? Well, on Christmas Day, apparently, you're gonna have the choice: Are you gonna go see Wonder Woman 1984? Or are you just gonna go ahead and watch it on your home system? Because HBO Max is putting it out when it's available in theaters is did i read that right that's, yeah that's i mean for, for this type of thing we've been talking about this is the first one that's doing the thing we keep saying well mulan wasn't quite it you know uh and these other movies haven't quite been it this is a surefire box office behemoth uh that is saying well you know what we want people to be able to see this at home we want to encourage people who are staying at home to, to keep doing that and the best mm. way to do it is to sort of give them a little christmas present in the form of a movie that looks like from the trailers and everything at least it looks like a real pleaser to me so i don't know i'm i'm excited about this but it also it feels like it is it is it right i mean that's the thing we've been saying that's it that one of these studios hasn't done all it year all year we've been wondering what if when not a matter if really what and when yeah uh and and yeah, when when Ronald sent this around, it's like, this is it. Un, yeah, un, unprecedented in in the in the in the headline of the article he shared with us from Deadline, and I think since you shared it, I think Warner Brothers has has confirmed it. Like when we were reading it earlier, it was unconfirmed, but they have confirmed it, and uh, it's going to be coming out in international territories. Like I think the week before, where theaters are open, and um, but here, yeah, day and date, Pivod and theatrical release. And um, from what it seems like, like we've been talking about with uh, kind of what Universal's doing with some of their releases going to Pivot so quickly after release, there is a profit sharing thing going on here where like the theater chains are playing along with this, which is another unprecedented thing. Like there's so much happening in this this news item that is just it's just like for people that like us that follow this kind of stuff and especially myself, like I just I read about this stuff all the time. This is like, this is insane that, you know, the theatrical exhibitors are being, are letting it come out the day and date and you're seeing it in, in whatever medium you want to see it. Um, but yeah, and, and, and it's probably arguably it's, it may be the biggest title that could have been for the year. You know, we were talking about Bond, we were talking about Marvel, yeah. you know, Wonder Woman uh, internationally, I I'd have to check the numbers, but is I think bigger than 
any of the other ones that we talked about had any potential of being. And, you know, Bond, uh, Black Widow, uh, whatever else was was Mulan, you know. Well, Fast and the Furious might might be Fast, yeah. That would be the only thing, but Fast yeah, and the Furious the was straight <laughs> out like yeah, but that was like straight out back in March, like we're coming out a year later. Yeah, right. Like right. they weren't no, right. they weren't they weren't fucking board. around and like moving dates all over the place like these other titles were, you know. And this was the one that was holding out for December to be like our theaters even going to stay open. So it seems like now they're trying to still help them stay open, much like a lot of the Universal titles have been doing. Um, but yeah, wow, this is it's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'll be staying home and watching this on Christmas morning. Yeah, yeah. same. But you know, th- I think we're all Let's in this. We're all in that boat. We're 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 watching it at home. You know, like no doubt. But it's just that's it's just wild. Yeah, it's wild. I mean, it does it does two things. Um, it one it kind of there's a bunch of devices coming out. Uh, this uh that'll that'll be kind of the the center of attention for Christmas. That's PS Five, Xbox Series X and S. Um, there's, uh, the Google, the new Google Chromecast, there's all these devices that are kind of coming to people at one time, brand new things. HBO max is going to be available on them. And this is going to be the thing that people will want to see. That's one. The second thing is that HBO max has made a declaration about it being a definitive DC universe hub. So we have, first we have Wonder Woman, uh, 1984, that's coming out in December. Uh, the Snyder Cut, Justice League, that's coming out in 2021. And then at the end of 2021, Peacemaker, which is the John Cena-led DC uh, Universe Snyder Cut situation. Uh, uh, he might appear in Justice League, so possibly. And then he'll be appearing in Suicide Squad. There's a lot of stuff happening. Well, I wouldn't, yeah, Snyder Cut, but you're burying the lead there. That's a James Gunn a James written, Gunn written series, yeah. and he's going to direct at least the pilot yes. for it. So it's like, that's a guy who at this point has a lot of our goodwill with how he handles this type of material. So, I mean, at this point, I'm about as bought into the idea that Suicide Squad is going to be, or is it The Suicide Squad? Is that yeah. what this one's yeah, called? The, the Suicide Squad. That The Suicide Squad is going to be a fun af movie and even though i I sometimes find john cena kind of hit or miss in terms of is is he just kind of charming because he's john cena or is he kind of wooden i've seen him be good or sort of only okay but yeah i feel like james gunn has a knack for bringing out uh people's kind of spunky side so to speak when he when he writes for them and i don't think he would be doing a series with someone who's coming off as wooden in the movie so i'm excited about a james gunn tv show i'm excited about uh the suicide squad um yeah at this point that seems like it's almost improbable that that movie could have the goodwill that it has for me but i think you look at the cast you look at james gunn his involvement um it seems like he's doing for dc what guardians of the galaxy kind of did for marvel back in the day which is you know fully expand that idea of just how how crazy it can be um so i don't know uh i'm yeah i'm interested in that too but the the hbo max also had that news about the other show the batman show has lost a showrunner uh terrence winter left uh you know so that that doesn't really hurt my feelings too much because i imagine they can find someone else who sounds good but that 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 is that kind of sign of trouble that you look for with these kind of you know, DC, Marvel, Star Wars type announcements. There's always talent that sounds great that then leaves. Uh, and, you know, whether that will... What, I don't know if we'll be watching that show in a couple of years going, boy, this really could have used Terrence Winter. Um, <laughs> right. 
but, right. but his name did bring some kind of prestige uh, guarantee to Absolutely. it because of what his his you know track record is. But yeah, man. So this is this is huge between you know James Gunn's Suicide Squad and this stuff that's happening on HBO Max. There is a universe being built, whether you like it or not, that it's gonna <laughs> be split between cinema and HBO Max, and and it's pretty damn cool. Gotta right. be honest. You mean like Marvel's doing, right? Oh yeah, like Marvel's doing. Right. Well, all the all the word about WandaVision sounds really cool. I mean, all, it sounds like they're they're doing something kind of interesting with that, how it's supposed to feed into the next Doctor Strange movie and um no, I feel like we haven't had that Marvel juice in a while. So, it'll be interesting to see what that feels like when we get a little bit of it in the form of WandaVision. Um because as we've all said, you know, Black Widow looks like it might be fun, but it doesn't seem like it's the next bold step forward for anything. Yeah. Um Yeah. Do you think that somebody will play? Do you think Disney will play chicken and maybe drop Black Widow on Christmas? I don't oh, think no. on Christmas, but I could see them doing this kind of hybrid launch. Okay. I mean, we got we got some time. I just we feel like they bumped it back some... to May already. It would feel weird. I think that right now launching WandaVision and then getting Falcon and Winter Soldier, I could see that being their big focus. But, you know, they could they could always surprise. I just feel like they've staked out that new date. It feels a little weird yeah. to move off of a date. Um, I feel like investors start to get annoyed if you jump off of dates too, too much. But <laughs> but no, if Wonder Woman sure. can do it, Black Widow can do it because Black Widow would have been, you know, not not you know, not quite a fraction of the gross, but I think Wonder yeah. Woman is like a surefire hit. I think Black Widow is feels like a surefire modest. Again, by these movie standards, I'm talking about only five or six hundred million. <laughs> Come on. Only. Yeah. Only. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this is this is good news for all of us, yeah. man. I think you know, we're we're obviously gonna cover it. Um, you know, length of time we I refuse don't know to when cover we're it. Gonna... <laughs> <laughs> Just the dang it, put my foot down. Um, but it'll be really interesting, uh, you know, how how good is this movie going to be? Uh, you know, it's, it'll be good to talk about it. And hopefully HBO Max is kind enough to hand it to us at a in a timely fashion so that we can yeah, how, cover it. Why is Chris so Pine cool. back? That's what I, I mean. I loved him. But why is he back? How is he back? That's what I wonder. That's the question, yeah. question yeah. they have to answer I'm for super, me. I'm super interested in that. Yeah, let me talk. All right. Any other newsy news? Um, I don't know. I don't really have anything besides that big Wonder Woman drop. Well, I should just ask Ronald how he feels. Uh, did you watch New Mutants, Ronald? I I couldn't finish it. Okay. Does that is, is, is that an answer to the next question, which is how did you like it, <laughs> or is that just yeah? I, is that just I, I about time? It, you couldn't like, but I still what I'm saying is you you didn't have time, or you couldn't do it. <laughs> I'm just clarifying. I. So I, I'm normally pretty, pretty understanding about like, you know, how my body reacts to things, Yeah. but I, I physically jerked and turned it off. Okay. I, you know, I couldn't. Yeah. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> yeah it's, <laughs> it's, um, I don't know, maybe after you've seen it, Steve, we can actually talk about, because I do think it's an interesting yeah. notion, this kind of sad end of the, of the Fox X-Men world like i guess the, right you know the, the real way forward for that is probably like look at deadpool and what they might do with that in the future or even look at logan and maybe some of the possibilities set up by the end of that movie or whatever i feel like there's other ways you can say look, what could we pull from the fox years and bring it over to this whatever 
Disney's going to do with the the X-Men characters. I don't know. I, this feels like an odd way to wrap it up, I guess is my point. And I, I think it does it deserve does, a few minutes on the show to talk about just this weird movie that has been, I mean, go, going on two years almost, right, of delays. Am I wrong about that? I remember I remember yeah, when yeah. there were when there was a, a big poster that said coming like in, in next month. I remember when it was like February and it was supposed to be coming in April uh, and then it got pulled off the schedule. And I feel like that was two years over two years ago, or was that almost two years ago? That, that I think it was, that it was almost two years ago. Okay, it was supposed to come out like almost two years ago, and it finally. I think came in out. like yeah, in in nine in two thousand nineteen. And it's not just that it got bumped back by that much time, but that it was about to come out when they yanked it. It's not, you know, yeah, it was literally yeah. like about six weeks or two months before it was coming out. So with that in mind, yeah, it's it's a movie that had a really kind of tortured development uh, history, I guess, but not even the development. It was more about what happened after it got made. And this does feel like mm. the sort of movie that you would have thought we got to do some reshoots to fix it. But I don't think those reshoots ever happened. Um, right. And yeah, yeah, you get what you get when when you... <laughs> When you need reshoots and you don't get them and you can just picture the way those X-Men movies have been going, Steve, and then sort of imagine the logical sort of last gasp of that. I mean, Dark Dark style. Phoenix, I mean, the Dark Phoenix felt like that watching that, you know, and this seems even worse or even more of a mess. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet, but uh, I plan to watch it sometime in the coming week. No, New Mutants. From a guy who, when they announced this project, thought it sounded like the right way to introduce these characters and this this cool tone, this idea right. of doing kind of a quasi-horror film, quasi-superhero mm -hmm. movie. I feel like it, you know, that's what Dr. Sleep was, was like half superhero, half horror. So I kind of feel like you can do it. You can have people with mutant powers be the focus of something really scary. But you've seen how much of it, Ronald? Like maybe half, 30 minutes? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, about about a half an hour. So you've seen it. about as bad. I mean, it doesn't. I would say it doesn't get much better or worse than that. But there are some effects in the last act that are. Um, there's a, a creature that feel like it. It just needed a totally different design <laughs> than the one they gave it. Um, <laughs> and what is Anya Taylor Joy doing? Like, what is that? What is her performance in this? She's doing something so over the top, but it's not clear. She's kind of doing a Russian accent. She's supposed to be Russian, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Oof! It's crazy because she's she's a she's a good actress, and and oh, she is good, and that's why I'm surprised that she's so un like. She feels like there's no substance to what she's doing. It feels like sketch comedy almost. Yeah, it feels like one of those movies where everybody in it is not doing their best, and for that reason, this this movie should maybe I I you know. If it were, if if they didn't make such a big deal about it, and it was just dropped on a service of PVOD right around the time where it was it was rumored that it was going to come out, it wouldn't feel right. so weird. It feels worse now. It feels worse that we've waited this long. It's oh, on yeah. Blu-ray and PVOD, and you're watching, you're like, oh my god, we waited a year for this. Well, it's kind of like crossed that. It's crossed that threshold of like, it's not just delayed. It's really, really, really delayed. We're like just the story of its delay is now overshadowing the movie. Yes. And it's like, in, the movie has no chance, even if it wasn't like a piece of, cr you know, a, a crap, like it sounds like it is. Um, it just completely exponentially made it impossible to watch this movie at all and find any enjoyment in it. Right, without without thinking about that. You're, you're right. right. It's yeah. like it just rots, it, you're, it's stained. It's like stamped all over this movie. It's, it's funny you say that, I, I mean, this isn't by no means the same type of movie. It felt like Wonder Woman was starting to be like that. I didn't want it to get to a point where it was delayed and talked about so much and then 
they would start a campaign back up to the point where everybody was going to be like, I don't want to see this movie anymore. Everybody's <laughs> talking. I mean, you'd want to see it, obviously. Sure. I feel like that's almost more of a danger with Black Widow, honestly, that by the time it comes out, it'll feel yeah, very much like, yeah, that's another... okay, you, you barely got us excited about this a, a year ago, and now we're not yeah. really that. I mean, I, again, the cast, everything about it should is going to probably make it as entertaining as it can be. But it feels like if there was a moment for that movie, it, it almost feels hard to think it didn't pass. But if it's really good, then all, then those concerns go away. Um, I just think Wonder Woman had more general excitement going into it. And so it's kind of easy to restart that, you know, to finally yeah. say, here it is. Um, but, you know, we talked about this uh, when this whole thing started, the idea of having to ramp publicity back up for something. It's part of... There is an art to it because, you know, people can you can miss the audience's interest level just entirely and not not snare people. And something that should have been a hit can be a failure. Um, and, you know, I I'm all for them figuring out a way to turn some of these movies into into hits because for sure. it's, it's for been sure. a terrible year for the for the industry that we love. I don't want anybody to lose any money. I think, I, you know, I obviously these are these are studios want to make their money back. This is not a thing where I want I want everything to go to. To, to a streaming service and people lose all the money that it costs and then people aren't getting paid production isn't getting paid you know like not stuff like that but you know should something come out that feels like right some of this stuff felt right for the moment release it uh, to kind of round out this conversation about wonder woman and to kind of bring it back to another point that we've talked about a lot on this podcast um, since HBO Max came out is like the inability to watch it on the Roku or the Amazon devices. And you know that this week it kind of became available on the Amazon devices. And I'm very curious to see with this type of release coming out for it, that they have got to get it worked out they so that you can to. watch it on a Roku, because if not, HBO will be shitting themselves that they cannot tout the numbers that they probably could if people can watch it on Roku, because yes. that is the number one that's like the number one device in specifically the US for, you know, streaming and like, you know, app streaming over the top streaming. And I, I, I've, I've got to believe even them announcing the Amazon thing this week is a part of somebody they, they know that they, they knew Wonder Woman's coming out on Christmas. They need to get these devices lined in and people should be able to watch HBO Max on any device that they have where it's available because without that Roku subscriber base and device ownership, HBO, you know, the week after, two weeks after, their number that they're going to be able to report for the number of people watching Wonder Woman 1984 would be a fraction of what it could be, you know, if, if it was on Roku. So that's an interesting, you know, part of this equation that I, I'd be willing to bet in the coming weeks that we're going to see a similar announcement like we saw for Amazon uh, devices this week for the Roku devices finally. All right, cool. Do you guys have anything else you want to throw down, mention? Not I. I don't have anything else to say. Well, you can find us at uh, movieshmovie.com, facebook.com slash movieshmovie, uh, and really any podcast platform that you um, check out other podcasts on. We're, we're, we're there. We should be there. We should be there right now as you're listening to this. But um, if you're not, find us there. Maybe subscribe. Make it easier for you to find these uh, these new episodes. And if you happen to check out Run, we'd, we'd love to know what you think of it. You can comment on the post that we throw out on Facebook when this podcast com comes out today. Let us know what you think. And uh, tell us how you're going to watch Wonder Woman 1984. Are you going to go to a theater or are you going to stay home and watch on HBO Max? We'd like to know uh, where you fall on that, uh, that decision. 
otherwise, we'll we'll see you guys next week. And as always, you've made our day. Thanks. Bye.